0: What it does when we experience craving, and this is why we experience craving, is what it does, is it drives us to action. But it does it in such an incredibly crude way. You know, We're human beings. We're not, we're not some primitive organism that the only hope it has of, of acting in ways that are going to be beneficial to it is to be driven by, by desire and aversion, to be driven by craving in its different forms. We're human beings. We have intelligence. We can cultivate that intelligence and so that we acquire wisdom. In the process, we don't lose the ability to recognize what's good and what's bad, what's wholesome and what's unwholesome, what's beneficial and what's not beneficial. We see it just as clearly as ever but instead of being driven by a very crude emotional reaction, we can uh, act with wisdom uh, and reason, tempered by compassion and loving kindness, respect for other people, and all these other things. So this is ultimately where the ability to overcome craving brings you to and, and I, I just I, I, I love to imagine uh, how it might transform the world if we had enough people that were coming from this kind of place I mean, no matter what life is going to present you with all kinds of difficult situations loss illness disease. you know it's just it's, it's the nature of things. Things are unsatisfactory in the sense that uh, no matter how they really are, we're always we, we can always imagine some place, some way that we would want them to be better. Even if we've got a lot, we want more. But most of the time it's not even the situation that we got a lot and the problem is that we want more. It's that uh, we don't have any or we've got something that really hurts or you know, or those other kinds of things. So that's the way life is. It's, that's, that's the reality. That's in these bodies and in this world, that's the situation that we're always going to be in. It's, it is by its very nature unsatisfactory. And it's constantly changing. And there's just you know, uh, no point in uh, generating some idea of how we want things to be and then causing ourselves to suffer when they don't turn out that way, or becoming attached to the way things are, and suffering when it changes. You know, because it's always going to change, and it's never going to turn out quite the way that we would like it to. So that's the, that's the reality. So if you, if you come from just that truth, if that's the way it is, then the question is, well, what can I do about it? Because you can't change the world. You can't change the universe. And what you can change is the way that you react and respond to it. And that's, that's what it's all about. The interesting thing about the process is that you can practice doing that, and you can learn, and uh, you can you can modify your uh, behavior patterns, your own your own conditioning, and that's a very important thing to do. It's a very wonderful thing to do to. Uh, to work on yourself, to perfect yourself, um, and you will realize the benefits of it uh, As for so long as you do it. You will keep realizing the benefits of it. And the way to do that is to practice mindfulness and allow mindfulness to convert ignorance to wisdom and to uh, allow wisdom to temper your responses and your reactions to the situations that you're in and to come more and more into this place of, of acceptance uh, non-resistance and uh, just being with whatever, whatever comes and then doing what's appropriate uh, as a result of that but that's not the whole story and it's a good thing because, uh, because the ch- changes that you make in yourself in this way, as you, you're, you're taking a mind that can be conditioned, can be trained, and it has been conditioned and trained in one way. And then you're recognizing that. And so you're doing things that will change that conditioning and you recondition your mind in the future. But your mind remains a, an entity that is subject to conditioning. And the positive conditioning you are uh, creating can become overwhelmed by circumstances. I mean, if, if you're lucky, overwhelming circumstances will always stay you know, a step behind the positive conditioning of the mind. But there's always that risk that tomorrow something's going to come up that just overwhelms all this good, wonderful conditioning that you've been able to do for your mind. So, uh, you know, and uh, also you... It's subject to the conditioning going the other way too. Uh, if you stop practicing this mindfulness and and, and, and directing your responses, all that, there's a huge backlog of old conditioning there, and it will start to manifest and it starts reasserting itself. And of course, every time you allow it to reassert itself, you know you're your, your highly conditionable, conditional, conditionable mind is <laughs> now starting to be reconditioned in the negative way again, right? Uh, one way to put this is that is that you start out with a whole lot of karma that's not so good and you can make some good karma and that will improve things but uh, you can never tell when some of the old bad karma is going to catch up with you, right? It's still there and not only that no matter how much new good karma you make, it wears out too. Right? So that's why, although this is very, very important, the other really important thing to do is is to get to the root of it. Get to the root of the craving. You know Why, again, this goes to the question, it goes beyond just the fact that <clears throat> Yeah, we're driven by craving, and yeah, we do this, and yeah, we create our own suffering this way. But why? Where does it come from? Uh, What what can we do about it in a more profound sense? And that's really, in terms of the Buddhist teaching, that's really what the fourth truth is about. It is about the path Mm -hmm. to permanent eradication of suffering mm-hmm. complete liberation is is the permanent eradication of its cause which is craving and that's what the Eightfold Path is about so an important part of the Eightfold Path is uh, creating good karma conditioning your mind in a positive way uh, diminishing the amount of suffering and unhappiness that you experience in the world through uh, recognizing and being mindful of these, these reactions. And that's really true, but and, and very valuable, and as part of the Eightfold Path. But what it's doing is getting you ready to go to the deeper level and recognize that all of this craving is based on a more profound set of illusions. I mean, if you look at the resistance to what is in the present moment, um, there's uh, so many illusions in that. And right at the heart of them, it's this me that is experiencing this, uh, this me that wants things different. Mm -hmm. And there is a separation there And that's what self is. The word self has no meaning at all, except in contrast to its opposite, which is everything that's not self. And so what is is being split into two parts. And one part is the self, and then there's everything else. Mm -hmm. And then everything's being interpreted in terms of whether to what degree is everything else serving the needs of the separate self? And that's that's where we come from. That's you know. But we feel, but the self, you know, uh, it takes a little work to come to understand what the real nature is of what's going on. It doesn't. It, uh, it doesn't just come from thinking about it a little bit. We have to go deeper and see that. But if you can, if you can begin to recognize that as being the problem, and start working with that more directly, then you can uh, you can uproot craving and the causes of suffering in a way that uh, doesn't seem to be subject to being overwhelmed and the conditioning doesn't seem to be subject to going the other way. So we start with where we are and it is the necessary first step and and the necessary foundation is to stop this blindly reacting the way we always have and to get to the place where we can start to see things clearly. Part of that is that things get immediately better in all kinds of ways.